It, it was, all, it was all for me. Okay, hold on, yeah. hold on. Yeah. About Hi, are you going to call in? We're going live. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on call. I'm calling in right now. Okay, I see you. Okay. Hi. Okay. Yep. Hi, I'm sorry, folks. I was just getting all my callers straight. I don't usually have this many callers. Today we're going to talk about the cases of Irene and Susan LaRosa. I have the niece of the two women, uh, Tina Richberg. I have the, I guess he's an investigative reporter, Mike Bouchard. And I have the... Um, Aunt-in-law. Sister-in-law, I guess be the sister-in-law of Irene as well. No. No, no. Oh, no. Robin. Irene's sister Robin is my husband's sister. So she's Bob's second wife. Okay. Um, Now... Mike was telling me a bunch of interesting things before we came on the air, but I just want uh, Tina, Tina Richburg, okay. to give me some back, to give us all some background. Then we'll get back to all the stuff that Mike was talking about, because I'm sure Tina knows it all. Would you <laughs> tell us about? I know that you don't remember what happened because you were too young. I was not born Can you yet. Tell us? Right. Sure. I also want to let you know that my father, Rudy, is here. Um, and Rini was, uh, her name is Irene LaRosa. She was born April 10th, 1953. <clears throat> um, she went missing in 1971, never really heard from again. They grew up at uh, Our Lady of the Rose, New Britain, mm-hmm. the orphanage. Um, and then they came home, and she went to Longview Junior High School in Ellington, and then on to Ellington High School. But after 1971, she has not ever been seen or heard from again. Okay. Um, we know that she used to stay over at the bar, Villa Rose and the uh, Beganis. Mm-hmm. That's about it. We, there's not been anything about her since then. And and then your your dad's brother's wife was murdered a couple of years later. Yeah, Susan went missing in 1975, and then she was yeah. later found in 1978. Uh, her body was found on I-84, off of I-84 in Vernon. Um what you call it? The cops really didn't kind of do much about it. There wasn't much looking into. There wasn't much of anything. Okay. Um, now, Mike was telling me before we went on the air that there, the police had named the husband a suspect but didn't have enough, they felt, to... Um, arrest him or to actually bring it to trial and well, also- there was actually two correct there were actually two they- indictments for the, the for the the husband and an, an ex-brother-in-law and i was just talking to the uh, state trooper that was involved in it and there was just just a little 
a couple questions they had, and like I said, by that time, you know, they, time had passed. You know, people had moved to different states, and right now, the, the as they stand, they, they are two still people of interest in it. But the indictments were never the indictments were never uh, acted on. You know, so. Uh, I mean, the same two people I came up with were the, actually I came up with three people. Uh, they were the same ones that the that the police identified also. So, you know, it, it's it's not common that one person went missing in '71. There were two of the same two family members involved because one attempted to cover it up, and the, this person that attempted to cover it up three years later, uh, his wife allegedly disappears. I've read a lot of the reports, and although some people believe that the the statements were all similar, that he consistently kept the same story, the, the stories varied a lot. Um, you know, I just think that, um, you know, the, the investigation didn't begin, the criminal investigation didn't begin until three years after uh, she was found. So in three years, a lot of a lot of evidence, a lot of forensic evidence was either destroyed, contaminated, or just cleaned up. So that that was a big hindrance in the whole case. I mean, oh, that's, I'm sure it was. You know, even today. Yeah, yeah, it was a big hindrance in the case. Now, it's my understanding, without naming names, because this person I don't believe has been named as a suspect. Another family member's property was dug up, and all kinds of creepy things were found: saddle shoes and girls' clothing and. Well, they well, there was a reason. Forensic labs tried to figure out what the heck is, was going on. Well, they, they they did, and and this is what happened over the years. That area up there had a lot of small camps around it, and these one particular wells. And I believe the property somewhere on the property probably has does have remains on it. I I don't think the the, the one particular well that they targeted they targeted eleven wells in the general area. But what happened was that well became kind of a community uh, dumping ground. They dumped car parts. They dumped clothing. Oh. They had they had first checked to see if any of the clothing matched any of the uh, the, the the victims, people that disappeared or, or were homicides, and they weren't able to identify any of the clothing. So, and what happened was there were so many, uh, you know, there were a couple car parts in there and this and that. And they just told me that it was so cluttered that we really couldn't recover anything that we thought was valuable. Well, you know, and I, I, I still believe talking to them that they still believe that the remains of one or maybe more people are somewhere on the property. It's just like I said, right now they need some something more concrete to work with, and that's what we're trying to find right now. Yeah. Um. Okay. When the family moved to Ellington from Vernon, when they lived in Vernon, they actually lived up the street from another girl who, if you've listened to my show before, you know that I had her sister on, that being Lisa Joy White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Have and, they, and that, that was kind of... This goes out to both of you. Have they made any connection between... Because Lisa was said to have dated older boys. Have they made any connection? Right. Do they know if she dated LaRosa's or... He's well, that, that's something I don't believe they did. I, I don't believe that's something that they did. However, it, it was a known fact that uh, one of the pre- people, the primary person in, in um, let me see, in Irene's uh, disappearance, 
lived on the street. And from what I my understanding was that one of the relatives had a pet. And when the pet uh, it got hit by a car, she remembers who she believes to be Lisa White, you know, coming and letting her know. But the problem with that was the individual that, that was there living at the house at the time, uh, he was kind of a creeper. He, he stalked, he, he watched people, and, you know, he had a, a, a kind of a checkered past with, you know, he, he was a violent guy. And, and, you know, he liked young, young, young kids. I mean, he wasn't what I would consider a pedophile. He was more of a predator. Pedophiles usually don't kill kids. Predators do. And I kind of think that he he was involved in Irene's disappearance, and I think an older brother attempted to cover it up for him. You know, um, that's what everything leads to from everybody I talked to. I mean, I, I don't believe Irene wow. is still alive. Okay, and and I'll add a question for Tina. Maybe maybe you also have insight on this. I've noticed sure. that Irene has been removed from the Charlie Project. Do you know why that is, Tina? I don't know why that is. That's the first I'm hearing of that. Yeah, if you click on the link to her on the Charlie Project, it comes up page unknown. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and she was just recently put on that. Excuse me? She was recently just put on that. I have no idea why she'd be taken off. Yeah, it's weird. If you try to find her, that's what happens. Huh. You know, that, 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 that's, that's something to look into because I like to find out. And as a matter of fact, when I go to work on Monday, I'm going to contact Charlie Project and ask who was the person that removed it. Because, uh, you know, I know during my investigation, I had talked to several family members, uh, to, to, to not La Rosa family members, but, uh, uh, family members of the ex, not ex, ex brother-in-laws and, uh, you know, what happened was I got too close to the fire, and I think when they talked to me, they realized later that they had made a mistake into saying what they said because they knew that I, I was writing the information down. And what happened on a Sunday morning, in less than five minutes, I, I got three consecutive uh, texts from three different people. Oh, you know, you got, you're, you're, you're just tr- trying to get information to write a book, which that's not true. I, I've written enough books. I don't need any information. There's 105 missing people in Connecticut. There's a whole ton of cases that I could go after. I'm just trying to get some resolution there in is. these two, two cases. So, and then it, it went to another sister. Uh, and, and the funny thing was I used the word, oh, I think you lied. Well, I couldn't have lied because you were the people that provided the information to me. So you're either yeah. you're lying, I can't be lying because you're giving me the information. And then it went to a third person, which wasn't really involved in the La Rosa case. So I, you know, you know, that that's why I would check that Charlie Project thing because I'm sure I'm sure there's going to be a connection there somewhere. You know, I, I just you know well, just I'm off the top I let of my you head. Know that because yeah. I've clicked yeah, on it several times. Getting the same thing, so right, and and like I said, I I personally believe that there are people that know what happened to her. Uh, at least Irene, anyway, okay. that know what happened within the family, and they're just not saying, you know. And listen, you know, it's beyond the point of you, you know, it, it being an embarrassing thing. Hey, listen, you know what? 
people you can't control what your family members do. However, people owe you know owe it to these these people that have disappeared. I mean, they have relatives uh, that that has sat there for almost forty years every day, wondering what their fate was. They owe them they owe them at least the respect, whether Absolutely. they did it or know something about it, to let these people know. It's, it's, there's never ever closure in a homicide or a missing person case, but they they you know. It's time that they they say what they know, and there's people in Vernon yeah. that know what happened, you know. I wonder and why her parents never reported her missing, because I'm getting all kinds well, of missing dates: December 26, well, March 2nd. Well, there's a reason for that, because the the father the father Nunzio uh, Larosa Sr. passed away in 1970, so he wouldn't have been able to re- report it. The right. mother. Uh, the mother, you know, according to some family members, was pretty rough. I mean, she was just, you know, that's and that's how she was. She was, she was rough. And, you know, at that time, another brother, you know, left for the Army just to just to get remove themselves from the house. So it may have been a belief that, oh, well, you know, she just left too. How, however, the, the dynamics of what was going on with the uh, brother that was living in a camper on the property, and another brother, uh, uh, you know, that, that I believe was involved in something else was there. So, you know, the dynamics, it, it was a perfect storm. It fits the profiles for, you know. And the, the younger one that we thought was responsible for uh, uh, Irene's disappearance it followed the, the typical Jeffrey Dahmer pattern. You know, he killed he killed pets, you know. He didn't take anything of try, trying to... Uh, Strangle one of his relatives. He he was just that way. I mean, was it was it due to a mental health issue? It was, you know. But the fact is, it still existed. I mean, it was still present in that household at the time. So I I don't think yeah. you can blame blame it on the parents. It was just you know it was a, it was a bad storm. The dynamics were horrible. Yeah. Um. Now, Tina was telling me. Um, that another missing Connecticut girl, and I, I didn't get the name, was found near a place where the family camped? Uh, uh, Kathleen Missouri. Who? Was Sorry that, about that. Was that, was, was that Kelly, uh, uh, Terry? Yeah, Kathleen Terry was found at the Mashpac okay. uh, State Park where right. I, uh, where they used to have a campsite down there. Right. And all these coincidences are just, I don't believe in coincidences like that, you know? Well, no, there are no such thing as a, there's no such thing as a coincidence. It's just the, it's just the factor of being able to link them together. I mean, there's no such thing as a coincidence. It's especially in a homicide or a disappearance. It's just that, you know, the problem that you had back then in the sixties and seventies, one, a lot of missing person people were not reported missing, and even in today's law enforcement society, unless a, per, a person right now is a juvenile, uh, you know it's not a high priority a missing person, especially if you're over Absolutely. sixteen. It, you, you know you're just not a high high priority. So, you know, and that's even today in today's police culture, you know, the same as it was back then. Yeah. You know, there's just more um, paperwork wanna... today. Yeah, I just want to mention Susan died of a blunt trauma to the head. Ouch. Right. And right. 
you had told me before we went on the air that one of the family members, not named here, mm-hmm. yep. worked yep. as a custodian at the school that Janice Pocket attended, and yes. her records mm-hmm. disappeared. Thirty Again, days after, I don't believe in coincidences like that. Right. Well, 30 days after, uh, the authorities went to look for Janet Pocket's uh, uh, medical records, and I believe they notified the family that there, and the nurse at the school notified the family it was the only set of records that had disappeared. I mean, was is it coincidence? You know, I, at this point, you know, I don't, I don't know so much if I would believe it was a coincidence. It may have been. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it's just kind of funny that, you know, you know, somebody had just disappeared, and all of a sudden you have a, a relative that I believe was responsible, all, an ex-family member that was also responsible for removing Susan's body from the apartment and hiding it, was also involved. As, he happened to be a custodian for the school where her records disappeared. You know, that's not, you know. Yeah, Tina wanted to say something. There's so many I uh, I wanted to also add. Rumor has it that the oldest um, brother was um, a part of the search party for Janet Pocket. I'm not sure how much that is true, but that's what I understand. Was that he well, was a part think, of the search party? Yeah, I huh. think that was Nathan. I think that yes. was Nathan, and that's not uncommon. You, you know, I've been I've been in the law enforcement field for 32 years. I I, I know. I know how how they work, and that's not uncommon for people that have been, been involved in a crime to to go to a scene just just to you know to see if they're getting close to see what people are talking about just so they know. I mean, you know, it's and, it's typical. Yeah, and one thing know, with Rini too is that she could have run into other possible suspects because um, Tina told me that she's staying at local bars, so she could have mm-hmm, run into. Yep any sort of creepazoid doing that. So Right. Right. And that and that's possible too. But but the thing is, I mean, you know, what's the chance of her, her disappearing and then another family member disappearing within a few years span? That's by by the numbers that's yeah. statistically probably And they not both likely. ran away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you and, know, like and I guys, said there, it wasn't Oh, I'm sorry. I yep. was just going to tell my listeners that there wasn't a police report filed in this case until 2016 when Tina filed it. Right. And that that was, and and I believe I believe that was purposely done as a cover up. I mean, because now, the, we had the, another the lady on the line. Tell, I don't know if she wants to say right, anything, right. but right, right. Well, supposedly, Bob LaRosa and Robin LaRosa reported her missing. And they found her living someplace in Manchester, and they, she said she didn't want to have anything to do with the family. Can I ask who this is? This is Debbie again. Well, you, you know, the, the thing about that is Debbie there were knows. there were ex. If, if that what? were the case, though, police would have told the family, look, we right. found Right, well, her. this is what I'm just, I'm just throwing something in there because, you know, um, I think that, you know, there's some guilt there on the Susan part in those two people. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, the interesting <laughs> thing was I, Irene, Irene had some family members and even ex-family members that she was fairly close with. 
And I, I don't see, you know, especially in today's society with everybody having phones and computers and, and all of this stuff, that she wouldn't have reached out to uh, at least one of her ex-sister-in-law she was pretty good friends with. And they actually, they actually, um, they actually, I believe from what I was told was that she, they, that they had either gone to school together that, or they were familiar with each other, but they were, they, they had plans on doing this and that when they grew older. And I just don't see, even if, you know, even if a person moves out of state or disappears or something, they initially try to make some contact or you see him somewhere, you know, yeah. I mean, I've heard, I've heard stories that, you know, she was seen by a, a deceased family member a month later, uh, pushing a baby carriage. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, there were a lot of things that were, were said, but, you know, f- physically time wise, they probably weren't accurate. I mean, there was a, a thought that she was uh, mm-hmm. uh, going out with a going out with a school teacher up in Enfield, and what I've done is I've uh, Freedom of Information Act. Uh, when she went to Longview, all of the teachers that, that may have been Bob at nine, in 1970, because I want to see if wow. there's an actual Bob there, because I'll find him if he, if he's there. Was if, there? If he went out there, I'll find him. Well, we don't know yet. Uh, you know the schools are always hesitant to, you know, you know the schools are schools are hesitant when you, you file a Freedom of Information Act because you know let's face it they don't want they don't want to have anybody come back and say hey my te- uh. you know this teacher but what what I would suspect if that's true because she had run away once for a, a, a considerable amount of time and she was supposedly to be you, you know with this teacher now if he had he had actually convinced her to go back home. If the one person that, you know, was at the house, who I, you know, who's living in the trailer, may have thought, you know, hey, this, you know, she's going to leave with this guy or this and that, and, and you know, he, he had his, he had his, he, he was a predator, and, you know, predators don't like when other people come in into their area, you know, and that's how You're he right. was. That, or, or he may have went and said, hey, you know, she may have went and said, hey, you know what, if you touch me again, I'm calling the cops. And that may be all she needed to say, and unfortunately, by saying that, you know, bad things happen. So, you, you know, yeah. we'd all like to find her, you know, alive and, you know, well, but uh, the facts right now just don't suggest that. I mean, it's unfortunate. Yes. I just want to um, give you guys a description and a phone number. She was only 5 feet 4 inches tall. She weighed 115 pounds. She had brown hair, green eyes, and you can call the Connecticut State Police. I, I believe it's Detective Givens um, yep. at Toland, 1-860-896-3200. Right. And any, anybody that's out there that, that, has, that has information, there, there are people that have information, you know, that, that somebody heard something or somebody knows what happened to these, these two these two people, you know, to listen. Was she the youngest you know, of the 12 kids? No, there was only 11 kids, no. and she was no. um, the fourth down from the youngest. Yeah, she was fourth, ah. about the fourth, yep. But she was also you know, yeah. close to one of her sisters because one of the pictures that, that you'll see flashing as you're listening is a picture of her holding her sister's son, who's also on her missing page, by the way. Right. Um. So she obviously had some relationship there. <laughs> she right. did have a relationship with all of her sisters. 
Right, and that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, all of the family members, even the ones that had left at one time or the other, have, have made contact and have reached out with each other. Uh, you know, yeah. it would be very uncommon that she, she would not have reached out and touched somebody. And, and like I said, I mean, a lot of the people are, are that are involved in the case, especially the people of interest, you know, they're getting older. And, you know, you might think they want to get it off their conscience and at least let the family family members know, you know, so... You know, it could can it could not close it, but put it to you know, so they get some something out of it. Can I just add one thing to this? Now, I I I kind of don't appreciate the people that are saying that there was a missing persons report and that she was found in Manchester because if they have proof of that, they need to come forward. I'm sort no, of asking I'm, for the proof of that saying, that being said. Calm down, baby. Calm down. I'm saying that Bob and Robin are so good at covering their tracks on shit, which I believe wholeheartedly. I'm not saying anything derogatory to you about your aunt or anything. I'm saying Robin told me that they went and filed the missing persons, and they said that they found her in Manchester, and she didn't want to be contacted by any of the family anymore. This is right, and I'm I heard that from It's a lie. It's a lie. I know it's a lie. And when Tina went to file her report, they would have told Tina the same thing, that the case was closed. Right, they found right, her, but right. they wouldn't have told them where is... they found her because they don't have well, to. Well, what right. normally would have happened, is... if there was an original police report done, that she would have been entered into uh, what they call a file six, a missing person, and that file mm-hmm. six would have been immediately taken out if she was actually found. How, and exactly. That, but the, here's the problem. She was only 17 when she went missing, so she was still considered at that time a juvenile. It would have been the right. police responsibility, their responsibility to return her home. Uh, at the same time, the person that, that is alluding to this fact uh, also is married to the person that who is believed to be have covered up the first case with Nathan, who whose wife allegedly disappeared. And, you know, so they have a lot to lose if somebody starts nosing around. And when I started yes. nosing around, I was shut down, you know, in a couple of days. I mean, they can try to shut me down, but, you know, I have too many resources to, to maneuver around them. So, you know, that's a pattern right there. I mean, there's a pattern right there. Now, you tell me that, you know, she, she all, all of a sudden moved in four days later. Uh, you know, I, listen. If, if if something happened to my wife, nobody. If I didn't have already have something going on, now the the sad part is the the person the the ex brother in law of interest person of interest also was involved with Susan. So you have this big triangle. You know. Yeah, and so there, the, this is a big spider web. This is not yeah. just a, an isolated incident. It's a spider web. And we want to say that the husband's brother that 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 is a part of all this is deceased. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, what is going on with the DNA? They supposedly took DNA in 2002. In right. And uh, they, they they did take it. But here's the problem. They took it, uh, let me see, 2002. How many decades later was that? The apartment had 
from what my understanding from the the state police was the apartment was uh, remodeled. However, I talked to a family mm-hmm. member, and and I'm not going to say who it is because I had somebody try Please to tell don't. me, oh, what they were telling me <laughs> isn't true. But the family member actually told me on the following day she was there, cleaned up the blood off the floor with a putty knife. And she saw a trail of heavy blood. So I asked her if that was from the younger son being hit. She said, no, if a younger boy that old had bled that much, he would have died. So, you know, when you start adding all of these facts up, I mean, you know, there, there's only one reasonable unless – unless, I mean, it would be I, – I would Wait. bet my bottom dollar that she didn't leave that apartment. Well, we have a minute and a half left of our show, unfortunately. Yep. Um, okay. Is there still a $20,000 reward in Susan's case? I, I didn't even know there was one. I don't know. I don't know. Because it, it, was, said that it was back in back in the early 2000s um, when um, Vernon Police reopened her case as a cold case, and they contacted Sue's daughter. I know this to be true because I brought her there and I spoke with them. And okay. So back in the early 2000s, and I, uh, there was. Yeah. there was. And there is okay. one person that can confirm the younger daughter's statement to what she saw that day. Is a, is a woman, her name was uh, uh, Cheryl Isham, who I tried to reach out to a couple of times, or a husband, Phil Isham. Uh, they were the ones that reportedly took the younger daughter to the police to report what the daughter had told them. Now, these people I haven't been able to find, but they, were they neighbors they or something? Sure, no, they were they were her uh they were the okay. youngest daughter's uh godparents. Ah. Oh. Who was at the house that you know, and when I interviewed her, I interviewed her for an hour. She was you could tell when a person has seen something that traumatic because she couldn't stop shaking or crying. So she saw something in that apartment that traumatized her up until this day, and she's about 45 now. So whatever she saw wasn't somebody just getting pushed to the floor. So, you know, I go on, I go on facts, and I know what I saw, and people can tell me what they want, but what I see is what I believe, and what I believe is she saw something that no three-year-old should, should have seen regardless of what anybody has to say. Yeah, that's sad. I just want to give a little background that I was able to find uh, to mm-hmm. Tina. Yeah. Your grandfather, Nathan, was a twin. I guess he was also called Nunzio. Was a twin, and he was raised by his sister in Windsor. Yeah, and you said that. I did not know that. Yep, he had a twin sister. I found it in the census, actually. Um, but I, I want to thank... Everybody who called in, this has been amazing, and everybody who's listening, although you can't hear this, you will hear this if you listen after, um, because they've ended the episode. Um, And I also want to dedicate this episode in loving memory to my father, who was one of my biggest supports in doing this, and the reason that I haven't done it in so long was his illness. Um, I love you, Daddy. And I want to thank everybody that called in, everybody that listened. This was amazing. Um, I mean, we could do another episode on this. 
Um, and if you wanted to, we certainly could. And I have to tell you, yep, Mike. Yep, we have to. Yep. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're when just, I first heard uh, you your know, name, be... when I first heard your name, Mike, I thought of Mike Bouchard, the, I don't know if you're familiar here in this area, Boston news reporter, Mike Bouchard. I think he's a no. weatherman or something. No, all, all my relatives are from up in Maine, so. <laughs> oh, but, really? You know, this hasn't, this investigation hasn't stopped yet. And, and, you know, the two people that need to, need to come clean, you know, we're, we're not done. They, they need mm-hmm. to, they, they need to come see Jesus real fast because you know what, we're still coming yeah. after him. You know what? So it's, we're what not is the name of your book, until. and when is it coming out? Well, well, this one won't be out. I, I ha, I'm doing 105 cases, so it's probably not going to come out till mid, maybe July. It's going to be called Missing in Connecticut. Don't stop searching for me. But I have another one that's out now. It's uh, it's called Forever Searching. You can find it on Amazon. It's a 1969 cold case. Uh, but yeah, we're we're not done looking for these guys yet. You know, we're also from we're Connecticut. Uh, no, this one was from uh, the uh, Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Ah. It was the largest uh, national park search ever done in history. So, uh, and, and I, I interviewed and found witnesses that the FBI couldn't even find. And I interviewed people that were 93 wow. and told me things that they never spoke to anybody about before. So, like I said, these two guys that, you know, were involved in this La Rosa case, you know, you can move out of state, but... I'm going to find you because I know one's I know one's in North Carolina and I know the other one's in uh, in Maine and I'm coming and I, and I'll find you. Well, you so better get to North Carolina come. first because God might get there before you or the devil. One of the well, 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 you know what? You see, like I <laughs> like I say, you know what? It, it, you, you know, he he. You'd rather deal with the human entity than the holy entity. So you know. He, yeah. he, Oh, you know, I agree you, with they, that. They need to talk, you know. <laughs> no, they really need to talk because, you know, to, every every person that has gone missing, you know, anywhere in the United States, there's at least 12 people it affects. And this has divided a whole family, divided two whole families. Bless you. You know, uh, so, you, you know, these, these people really need to, you know, look at themselves in a mirror yeah. and, you know, hey, listen. You know, this is what happened. I mean, I mean, you're old. By the time an indictment ever came down, they'd probably be deceased anyway. So, you know, yeah. they they really need to to come to go to a come to Jesus meeting because you know we're yep. still looking. Hmm. Yep, but it doesn't sound like you're giving up, and that's terrific. No wonder no. you were a police. Nope. You must have been a dogged one. <laughs> well, no, I still am, and yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, I'm not noted for giving up. No. <laughs> That's great. You know, the, the um, writing thing just I'm going to give out the second. phone the number one more time second. before we have to go because, like I said, we've already run five minutes over. Um, it's 860-896-3200. And I, again, want to thank all of you, and we'll have to do this again because there's so much more. I mean, I think Mike could talk for three hours, which is great. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm going on 25 Uh, pages of interviews, so. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so I'm going to say goodbye. 
Uh, okay, okay, thank we'll you. God bless everyone. Yep. Have, right. You're very welcome. Thanks. God bless everyone. Yep. Have right. a wonderful evening. Bye-bye. Okay, we'll see you. Goodbye. <laughs>